podcast here on SECCountry.com. I'm your host, Ryan Fowler. You know, the quarterback conversation, we have not hit that in a few days. We're going to hit that a lot more. But, you know, as we get into this 60-day mark, or at least that's somewhat in division, right? We get through this week. We get into the 60s. We begin the countdown, SEC media days, middle of July, and then fall camp, literally the snap of your fingers, fall camp will be happening here in Tuscaloosa. We're going to talk a lot about that and a lot more. I'm Ryan Fowler. Remember to connect with me on the Twitter account at Ryan C. Fowler, Ryan C. Fowler. Join those almost 18,000, almost 18,000 Alabama Crimson Tide fans who follow me daily. We do a lot of things in Tuscaloosa. We talk a lot of college football, put up a lot of videos. We have a lot of fun talking Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's go to a guy that knows Nick Saban, knows what he's thinking, knows what to expect. We're going to talk about this. Chris Landry, I hope you're doing well. Welcome in to the Alabama Crimson Tide podcast on SECCountry.com. I am doing well. Good to Good to be on with you as always, and yes, we are, gosh almighty, as we're heading towards June, uh, what are we, the 19th today, 20th today, where, uh, boy, we're just, uh, before you know it, in a month, there'll be NFL training camps, and colleges will be getting ready to, to get going, uh, it is not long, and it's kind of, um, you know, it's hot all around the south, and all of your listening audience knows, and certainly I'm further south than you guys, it is just sticky and hot, but... Football is not far around, and uh, certainly getting ready for the season is what we're doing and getting everybody excited for it, to be prepared to kind of get locked and loaded uh, to have all the information at their disposal. You mentioned the previews. Only got uh, five left. Alabama's one of them, by the way, that I haven't done of the, of the uh, Power Five. And then uh, if we've done quite a few group of fives, and we're going we're gonna to get to those. So, Absolutely evaluating the rosters, the depth charts, and really breaking down the teams. Um, uh, it's, it's certainly one of the things we do. We're doing the, obviously the same right now uh, uh, for the NFL. But uh, So if you're a football fan, you'll, you'll love it, I think. Chris, I'm just curious, when you go to other radios, because you do a ton of radio interviews, I, I listen to a lot of the audio, and I see a lot of people posting uh, different things uh, on the Twitter account. You're retweeting those. What is the number one question that you're asked about Alabama when you go to other places? What do they ask you about Alabama? Well, I, a lot of people, you know, that, that I've done radio with, they're familiar with my background, so they usually ask about Saban because they know he and I work together on Belichick staff. So everybody wants to know about Belichick and Saban. So whether it's, you know, it's a it's college forum, an NFL forum, or both, uh, that's kind of the main thing because we're we're in a we're in an era if you think about it, um, and I don't you know you're you're not an Alabama fan I guess I get it you know you're, you maybe don't like it you don't have to like it but we're in an era where in my opinion anyway and I know there's some bias there uh, on my part but you know those of us that are watching what those two guys are doing uh, I, I think it's the best college and NFL coach in history that we're watching happening right now. And I think when you have that in this era, because if you look at another era where, you know, I think Bear Bryant was more revered, um, you didn't have talk radio, you didn't have the Internet, and, and Vince Lombardi's more revered 
because, again, same reasons, that you look up to those people. We live in a different environment today where people tend to not respect or show the same type of attitude towards people with success. They tend to want to kind of bring them down. I mean, it's probably no different if you think about it. Uh, you didn't hear about many people criticizing John Wayne, but yet you probably hear a lot of people criticize a lot of the actors of today. So I think that everyone kind of wants to know what makes them so good. What makes Alabama so Why are they so good? Um, why is Nick Saban so good? What does he do? I mean, kind of crack the code for us, so on and so forth. That's what they want um, want to know. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of admiration, but there's a lot of frustration in that if you're not an Alabama fan um, or you're not a Patriots fan, they get a little tired of maybe seeing the same teams up there, um, which I guess I understand if, if you're just looking at it. For me, it never matters who wins. I just sit in admiration of people that do a good job and in my work trying to, in the consultant role, trying to help, you know, anybody that I can. I, I want everybody to be successful, but, of course, as we all know, every year, you know, you're going to have, with winners, you're going to have losers, and, and that's just the reality of it. But that's, that's what I get most of all is why are they so good? How can they continue to get the same players? And you go into describing, well, they look for certain type of players, and they develop players. It's not just about getting players. It's about developing them and defining a role and doing that better than other people. And they just do it better. It's as simple as that. We're talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, LandryFootball.com. Chris, you answered this question three weeks ago, but I know everybody's not able to hear to every single word on this interview. But they're always asking me to ask you because the way that you know Nick Saban and you, I know what the answer is going to be. I'm already setting the question up. I asked you about two-quarterback system under Nick Saban three weeks ago. You don't think it's a possibility here, right? No, I don't. and again, you've got to define two-quarterback system. You know, uh, do I see two quarterbacks playing? Yes. Uh, we saw it last year, too. But I don't see it like, well, two-quarterback system, like they're going to go into the game and you don't know who's going to play and – no, I, I think they'll clearly define the roles, and I think that they'll they'll play both quarterbacks because, like they did last year, they're going to have opportunities for the number two guy to to play and get a lot of reps and be prepared at a moment's notice. They're, you got to you got to prepare two quarterbacks in any in in every game anyway. But to say, yeah, we don't have a number one, and you know we're gonna. Both of these guys, no, I don't see that. I think there's going to be somebody that wins it, and it's going to it's going to be his job, and the other is going to be uh, very engaged in the process of getting prepared on a week to week basis. Uh, but I don't see, and, and so I'm, I'm defining what maybe most people see as two quarterbacks, you know, um, two quarterback system. Uh, no, I don't see two quarterback systems. I see two quarterbacks playing, and that's different. Um, you know, when I was coaching at LSU years ago, we had Tommy Hodson as our starting quarterback, very good quarterback, and we had a really good number two guy in Mickey Guidry. And Mickey played in every game, and we had a defined role that he was going to get a series a half, and regardless what happens. Then, and I, I personally think that you, you, you want to have a plan for both quarterbacks. I think they'll have a package for both. But I think one guy's going to win it, and I think that they will get both guys in the game. But I don't think they're going to mess around with situations. 
and have the lack of continuity that's going to lead to turnovers and mistakes that could put a game in peril that they otherwise wouldn't be. Chris, let me go back to this red shirt. You talk to a lot of coaches. What is the, the vibe in that fraternity about this new red shirt? And really, you know, you think about how it could impact this quarterback situation here with giving another tool to Nick Saban in the tool bag. Well, the, the red shirt rule is, I think, being positively received. Now, the only thing that I'm, I'm leery about and I don't like, and, I, and I, I don't like what they've done is um, – I don't like the definition of a year, meaning, you know, if a, if a quarter, if a player, any player uh, goes into a game and, and plays, you know, eight snaps, uh, it constitutes as a game. And to me, that, that to me, there should be a minimal amount of snaps in which to be able to, to uh, a, a guy to be able to play. So, you know, if you finish off a game, it shouldn't necessarily count as a full game. Um, I think that's really important because, Here's the thing. With scholarship limitations, you could find yourself in this. I'll give you an example. When Nick was at LSU, he's playing Tennessee in the SEC championship game, and he has to pull the red shirt off for Travis Daniels. Uh, I mean, they they didn't have any bodies. And now, in in this scenario, he could play them, and he could still red shirt them. That's good. But if you're in a situation where you – have to play a guy to finish a game, and it's only a small amount of snaps, it shouldn't count towards those those four games. There should be a minimal amount of snaps to constitute a game. So I like the rule. I think it's great. Anything for the development of players, I'm gung-ho. I want that. But I, but I, I think that it is important to understand that if you get into a situation, you wouldn't purposely do this, but if you had to due to an injury, play a guy – to finish and mop up a game because you didn't have enough bodies, uh, to me that's not that shouldn't count as a full game, and you still should be able to redshirt a guy. It's a good scenario. Uh, I like that, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Chris, I want to spend a little time here talking about Texas A&M. Where do you think this program can go, and where do you think I guess Jimbo Fisher can take that program uh, in the next four to five years? I think the program is a sleeping giant. I think it's when it comes to resources, uh, they can match anybody dollar for dollar. They can build anything, do anything, uh, create an environment. That's why you went there. Um, there's a talent base that they can recruit to. Um, for the first time in A&M's history, They've had something unique and maybe even better to sell than even Texas. Uh, there's always the inferiority complex that, well, you know, you're A&M, but you're not Texas. But being in the SEC is something that Texas can't say. It's something Texas A&M can. So they can have, they've got all the resources in the world and then the talent level around to be able to recruit. And I think it could go uh, is is. To, to the top. I mean, I think they could. The, the sky's the limit for them. Um, they don't have the tradition of winning championships. That's the only thing they don't have. But they've got the environment in which to be able to do it and create that, which is going to be a unique challenge for Jimbo, but something that I think he can be very effective uh, in doing. So I, I think if I'm looking at it, and it's hard to make these type of projections because you don't know what's going to happen and who's going to be there in any of these places. But 
if I were looking right now, um, certainly Alabama's future, as long as Nick Saban's there, is that makes that program um, great. Georgia's future is great because they've got a young coach that has, looks like he's on the way to being great. Um, Florida could be back with Dan Mullen in the future. Um, but, you know, you, you know, let's just stay in the West. You know, Alabama, you got Auburn. Auburn is is really good, but they're they're very inconsistent. Um, and so, you know, they compete for a national championship good, and then they really struggle the next year, the consistency there. LSU's future does not look good uh, with their current head coaching situation. Um, you know, so to me, uh, A&M is in the best situation to maybe, you know, rise to the, be the chief challenger. And then who knows, depending upon the length of Nick Saban's stay, it could be, um, you know, right there, maybe the team to beat in five years. Uh, that's, that's tough to project, but I, I think the potential is there with the premier programs. And right now, if I look at college conferences, there are certain programs that I consider that are national championship caliber. And in the SEC, they've had the most. Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, all have national championship capabilities if they do things right and if they have the right guys in place. Those are the six in the SEC. I think you could make the case that A&M could develop into that type of a program where they could be amongst those six programs, um, joining those six programs in the SEC. Well, Chris, I've got to respect what Texas A&M has been able to do. I mean, they spent you know half a billion dollars getting their stadium and their coach in ready because don't you have to look at it and go, okay, Nick Saban is 67 years of age, mm-hmm. and just based on father time, I want to be sitting there when he hangs up the headsets, I want to be able to put the full course, full press attack on them. Don't you? And, and LSU, to me, has got to think in that same type of mentality. They've got to position themselves to be ready to take full advantage whenever Nick Saban does hang up the headsets, five, six, seven, whatever years it is. We want to be sitting there ready, not in limbo with you know inconsistent play. Well, that's right. Um, you know, I think, you know, um... You know, rising tides raise all ships, and I think Alabama's kind of raised the profile of all the programs, and I think you've got to go out and you've got to use them as a model but challenge them. But but definitely when Saban leaves, you want to be in a position to be able to jump and take over that mantle. And, um, you know, there's some programs that, I well, I say, you know, we know that Georgia's one of them in the East, but in the West, let's just stay there. I think A&M is, is that team right now. Now, let me say this about LSU. LSU has got different resources. It's a very fertile state for talent. Um, they don't have the money that A&M does. And certainly administratively right now, they don't have uh, a strong administrative you know, president and athletic director um, that is, they've done a very poor job of hiring. You know, for example, I mean, Jimbo Fisher, I think, is somebody that they absolutely wanted, tried to swing at twice, and couldn't get him. Why is that? Uh, Jimbo is very familiar. He had a house not far from where I live uh, when he was an assistant here at LSU. 
likes it, and, and, and you know, but the reason why he's at A&M is Scott Woodard. And, and that, uh, the athletic director there at A&M, who, by the way, is a Baton Rouge guy and a lot of talks about him, you know, but A&M's got a lot more money. And so the ability to be able to put that together is something that, that LSU was not able to do. And quite frankly, they, they settled. Um, you know, they had to basically, they had less miles out the door and thought they had Jimbo, had egg on their face. And then they, in Maya Copa, they kept less. And, you know, that wasn't going to last. And then they ran after Jimbo Fisher and then got used by Tom Herman. And then they settled for Ed Orgeron. And that's how programs just flop and begin to lose ground. Because we know if we were having this conversation five, six years ago, we were talking about it's Alabama is the best, but LSU's right there with them, right? Well, that conversation, it's seven years straight, I believe, that Alabama's beaten LSU. So they, the LSU's really no threat other than on a game-in, game-out basis, and they don't have their ducks in a row. And I wonder if Auburn does as well. Um, have have a plan going forward that maybe is is certainly as viable as A and M to challenge Alabama when Nick Saban leaves. I'm not sure that they do. I think A and M is in the best spot. Chris, let me spend a couple of minutes here. You had a scout breakdown of the Auburn Tigers heading into the 2018 season. I don't want you to share everything because I want people to go to the website LandryFootball.com. But give us a little preview of what you think about the Auburn Tigers in 2018. Well, I tell you, I think this is I'll I'll share this, that they've got one of the best defensive lines in the country, along with Alabama's, along with Ohio State's, um, along with Michigan's, and the best, I think, just overall personnel-wise is Clemson. Uh, We're talking about elite, you know, defensive lines, and I think the defense has a chance to be really, really good. Got a quarterback that is outstanding that has the potential I think only can get better um there's you know lose some key guys at running back but they've got a number of guys got to settle in on that guy offensive line um to me is a real key for them because that is how their offense goes it's it has how every offense goes I know but more so for Auburn and their scheme that offensive line has to come together quickly I think it'll be a really good defense, a chance to be a great defense. The linebacking core uh, is really good despite not having that star power, and they lose three starters in the secondary, but I think they're going to be really good on that side of the ball. Stidham's good. I think Davis can be a really good receiver. You know, Keep an eye out on Cam Martin. Um, I think they've got some potential playmakers on offense, but it's the defense that really stands out to me that's going to give them a real chance, um, you know, to be competitive and and, uh, have a great season. Let me ask you, when you you go uh, to the Clemson Tigers, because you've had a recent breakdown of those guys, is there a weakness? And combine that with that schedule, uh, this seems like a team that's going to be undefeated when we get to, uh, to early December. Yeah, I'd be surprised. Now, the one thing I'd say is, They've been a little bit more inclined, um, let's say, you know, as opposed to say like a team like Alabama that even if Alabama doesn't play their best, they know how to take care of business. Clemson will have that game in which they lose to a team that they have no business losing to. So that's always in their DNA for some reason. But they shouldn't lose. In fact, it shouldn't be close to anybody that they play. Um, 
Kelly Bryant's a good quarterback, but I'd be shocked if um, Trevor Lawrence is not starting at some point early in the season. He is really wise beyond his years, and I think that when come college playoff time, he'll be a the starting quarterback. They've got some uh, good young receivers that's got to step up. The offensive line uh, is a little bit of a struggle in pass protection, but I think they can be really good. Love their running backs. Love their playmaking ability. Defensively, as I mentioned, their defensive line is loaded. They got draft picks. All four of those guys are just dominant, and we're not even talking about guys like Xavier Thomas and K.J. Henry and Richard Yergin. They're not going to even start on the defensive line, and these guys are really good. They've got a great tackler in the, at safety in Moose. Kayvon Wallace is really good. Um, it, it's, it's, I think there's just a lot of talent here that could come together and provide some playmaking ability um, when you look at the ability to play at the line of scrimmage, make plays in space, um, dominate defensively. This team clearly is head and shoulders the best program and the best team in the ACC. Um, there was, you know, a couple of years ago, we could debate the closeness of Florida State uh, to Clemson. Not so anymore. There is a drop-off. It's, it's who is the second best by a distance in the ACC. Now, can Clemson play up to that on a week-in, week-out basis? We'll see, but I would fully expect them. It would be a shock if they're not in the college football playoffs. Chris, I have not had a chance to go and listen to the podcast, but you talk about top defensive lines. I'd assume Clemson's right there. Where is Alabama in that conversation? They're right there. I got, I got the, I would put the blanket Clemson. I would put Clemson one just over the pure individual talent of Cleveland Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Austin Bryant. I think that is, if you break them down individually, they're the most talented. Now, are they going to be the best playing as a unit? I don't know. That might be Alabama when it's all said and done. Alabama's is phenomenal. Um, you know, Roquan Davis and Bugs and Williams and um, it just just an outstanding group. I think uh, Coach Cool's going to have a tremendous impact. Um, I just think it's a really, really good unit. I think Auburn's is good. Ohio State's is if you were to make a case just overall talent-wise, probably second only to Clemson's. But I would say that that it's all uh, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, all five of those just kind of stand out. Now, I tell you, a, a little bit of a, a little sleeper, you know, off the radar good is Mississippi State. Really good defensive line. Florida, really good defensive line. Miami. Virginia Tech, Georgia, Florida State, Washington, really good defensive lines. Not Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, good. Uh, Michigan's got a very, very good defensive line. Um, got a good linebacking core, too. This, this Michigan defense is pretty good if they can uh, only figure things out on offense. Chris, real quick, Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. I, yeah. I like this guy. I, I think he's going to be successful. Uh, I think he's maybe a perfect fit for what's happening in Starkville. I, I think he's uh, 
I, I just his personality seems very likable guy. He's gonna good. He's gonna do good in the recruiting and in, in those living rooms. Down to earth, he's a really good coach. And you know, I know a lot of people and a lot of people in the South that maybe don't recognize, you know, some of the smaller college, you know, Northeast and whatnot. Uh, it's not real, not big time football. And uh, okay, but let me just tell you, good coaching is good coaching, and knowing how to get a lot out of a program. He's done that very well at a small level. Um, and doing it at a place like a Fordham or places like that, very, very difficult to do. And then he goes in and really kind of transforms things at Penn State um, and, and for James Franklin. I think he's going to do a really good job. I think they have – they did their homework, uh, give a lot of credit to that administration for figuring out the type of guy – um, you know, don't don't try to go get and win the press conference. Try to get a good coach because what you had there was a really good coach that got a lot out of a program. And I think Mississippi State, listen, let's call it like it is. They're not going to, to go to the SEC championship game unless the other programs uh, in the West are just not doing their job well. Uh, we've seen them get there before. They have. But it's when the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Auburns weren't doing their job very well. Uh, but you've got to be able to consistently develop players. You've got to recruit a certain type of player, and you've got to develop them. Uh, and I think Joe can do that. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really a good fit, and I'm excited because one of the things that, for them, because I thought you lose Dan Mullen, uh, the program could slip. I think there's a really good chance that Joe could keep it together. And, oh, by the way, he, he's, he's inheriting one heck of a team this year. This team will be salty on defense. They will be no joke to play against, I can tell you. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Chris, take a couple of minutes right here and talk about the website and invite people how they can get more information on LandryFootball.com. Well, when we started a few years ago, we came up with a concept. Listen, if I did it, I want to do it and take folks inside the coaching room, inside the film room, inside the scouting room, and, and bring it from that perspective. So that's what we do. We break down the college game the NFL game from inside the film room. We evaluate recruits going into college. We evaluate college players as college players and evaluate teams. We evaluate college players as prospects in the NFL. We evaluate NFL teams and players. So we're one-stop shopping football. Um, if, if it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes, that's what we do for you. Ryan's mentioned we've got podcasts every Tuesday and Thursday. That's free. You can check us out on LandryFootball.com and follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball. Become a member. It's very easy, very, very affordable. It's like having your own scouting and coaching department for less than a magazine subscription. And we've got a summer savings special right now. If you go there and use the code SUMMER, uh, you get 50% off any, any membership package, and which basically means – uh, if you sign up for the year membership, you get the football season for free. I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a, a year subscription that's $69, and that's cut in half. So you got a, a great opportunity, flooded with information, daily notebooks with what's going on around the college and pro game, film room nuggets, film breakdowns. You get all of that during the season. You get all of that during the offseason recruiting, free agency, the draft. Uh, as you know, uh, I mentioned we're down to only about five uh, college previews yet at the major college left, and we're, we're just mid, uh, mid-June. mid So we'll have all the colleges evaluated with useful uh, film room analysis and doing all the same 
um, evaluating uh, the rosters uh, in the NFL as well. So uh, if you like football, you'll love LandryFootball.com. Chris, I appreciate you every single week. I look forward to the conversation uh, next week. Hopefully we're a little closer to the Alabama breakdown. I keep hitting LandryFootball.com to see when you're going to drop that Bama update. And well, I, you know, I honestly, I kind of keep it kind of the best for last. We're going to do that, and then we're going to have – trying to do it to where we're going to separate sometimes to do even a little bit more thorough stuff for some of the – you know, like the Alabamas, the Clemsons. We're going to get more in-depth, but – you know, one of the things I try to do is to satisfy everyone. So if you want to know about Ohio or Wyoming or UTEP, uh, you got details on them as well. So it takes a lot of time to do it, but we want to drop something for everybody that, uh, that can give them a really good, clear perspective of the college game from soup to nuts. Hey, Chris, I appreciate you, and I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it was great to be able to talk with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Chris always helps us understand Nick Saban, Alabama football, and a lot more. We'll do it again tomorrow as we count more Alabama football. Remember to connect with me on the Twitter account at Ryan C. Fowler, at Ryan C. Fowler, and I'll talk to you next time on the daily edition of the Alabama Crimson Tide podcast on SECCountry.com.